Amen. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I've had to bring my water here, which is the first time I'm doing this in the UK. <laughs> Normally, I'll bring my cup of tea. <laughs> it's great to be here at uh, City Church uh, Sheffield. It's uh, a wonderful opportunity for Lily and I to, to, to come and uh, be part of this great, great church. Um, I bring you greetings from Kitwe, Zambia, uh, where we're the best. Uh, at our churches there, as Richard said, 50 churches in Zambia, and the opportunity to serve into neighboring nations of Kenya, Tanzania, Malawi, and just opened Uganda as Christ Central Churches. So we are so thrilled to be here, and I bring you greetings from that part of the world. Uh, normally we bring the weather with us, but uh, you've got better weather than we have in Africa at the moment. So it's just great to be here and enjoy uh, British summer. Not come alone, come with Lily, uh, my wife. So I'll ask her to come and say a quick hi to you this morning. Richard is helping us with this. Thank you. Good morning. In our, in our nation, we say Mulishani. Esther, wow. where are you? I thought you were going to help me. Okay. So, uh, thank you so much for your hospitality. You've been so good to us, um, especially that you even organized some nice weather for us. Yeah, so thank you for all that is uh, the Lord is doing, even um, through you people. Um, we run a project called Dayspring Street Life Project. And thank you for some of you who are already involved in sponsoring a child to put them back into school. And we also are very thankful to Sheffield Church for partnering with us, doing the feeding projects. You know, we feed... We give free meals to over 700 children every week uh, in very poor areas of uh, Kitwe. And um, we now also running a school. Thank you for having given us Patrick and Michelle. They came and they were able to help us do the school where most of our children are now going. And uh, so um, we, we still have uh, more challenges. We would want to have more people sponsor a child back into school. And uh, while one of you was there, we had an opportunity to buy land where we would want to have a third house built. And so we're still believing God for that one. So thank you so much and looking forward to working with you more in the near future. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, those of you who were here yesterday, uh, we had the opportunity, and thanks to the elders for that, to share a little bit more on what's going on with the children's work and the school that's been built in Zambia that Patrick and Michelle very kindly came and laid the foundations for and sharing also about initiatives to break poverty in Africa 
through various initiatives like chicken projects and small business startups, because the kingdom of God is advancing, and the violent shall take it by... Do you have that verse here in the UK as well? I went to this country, they didn't seem to have the word force in it. But uh, I think here in Sheffield, the kingdom of God is advancing. And the violence shall take it by force. And I think that's a good word for our times and season. When the church feels marginalized, the church feels weak. And some believers feeling like we will just be wiped out. Because the forces against us are so big, uh, especially as we see uh, anti-Christian stances becoming legalized. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus says, I'm building my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Am I alone in believing that? We are together. Amen. Sorry, we've got an African preacher this morning. We do responsive preaching in Africa. Meaning, I talk some and you talk some in my message. So please forgive me for those of you who are not used to that. But uh, with this kind of weather, uh, we need to keep each other awake. Uh, and that's one of the ways we do that. And so I may tell you to turn to your neighbor and say something. Please just do that uh, as if you are enjoying it. <laughs> Greetings again, but let me say a big thank you at this moment from our Christ Central Apostolic team, which I'm part of uh, with Jeremy, and Jeannie is here. She's part of our apostolic team. We've just taken that offering, and uh, that offering is going to all that we're doing together as Christ Central. So thank you so much, City Church, for your generosity and your continuing work. That's blessed uh, many others. In fact, I was telling Dan while I was enjoying his lovely hospitality with Rachel in their beautiful house and the SAS around us. Uh, that's their three lovely children. That's Sarah, Abigail, and Sam. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Dan, for great hospitality. We are so appreciated. But uh, as we were doing that, I was just sharing how much we feel so connected to our Sheffield City Church. Uh, the School of Leadership, which is held here, is such a blessing. Now we've got two centers of the School of Leadership in Zambia, a couple of centers in Kenya, uh, where we're doing School of Leadership. Uh, one in Ghana, uh, and we're just opening up uh, another one um, in Tanzania, in Bea, and in Dar es Salaam, for those of you who've been in, to that part of the world. So, and in all of those opportunities, guess what? Sheffield City Church is mentioned because you are the ones who host that school. Some of you may not even be aware it's happening somewhere in the building, right here. But we get a bunch of Africans from around Africa come in into Sheffield City Church as we share that moment of learning together. So thank you so much. Again, for giving us the opportunity to take great teachings from here to other parts of the world. I thought you'd give yourself a clap for that. But... So that's one connect point that 
wherever the gospel is mentioned, City Church is mentioned because of their, your amazing generosity and the sense of foundation of biblical teaching that are thrives out of this place. Of course, I heard about City Church when I read Terry's book, Nowhere One Path, and he mentioned the great man, Arnold, who I understand was roommates to him at London Bible College, and they so fondly walked together uh, in the early days and started New Frontiers together. Again, um, I read about that and so read about the great, amazing work that was being done in Sheffield. And I, in my wildest dream, I just dreamed maybe one day I'll preach in Sheffield. But uh, there you go, I'm here today. So again, amazing work, but also just direct connections. You've been a blessing to Zambia. Today we're talking about a great school in Kitwe because you gave us a head teacher. Patrick and Michelle came from here. Uh, not to mention um, uh, Dave and Jane from this church who came. Uh, Blessan. In Zambia, we don't know him as Blessan. We know him as Blessing. That's what we call him. But you've given us amazing uh, gifts uh, out of the fruits and generosity of City Church. So I'm not here to make connection. I already have so many connections. There's so much that God's done with us together. So thank you for the eldership, for your continued support to us. And we pray that this partnership will continue to bear fruit right around the world, even as we continue. Amen. Thank you for those amens. Uh, so we're very, very blessed to be here. Uh, yesterday, we started by looking uh, at uh, advancing the kingdom and that's a broad title we've been looking at, Kingdom Advance. And we looked at the practical why we should be involved in advancing the kingdom. And we looked at the practical side. We started by looking at James. James, uh, uh, he, he said in that lovely book, faith without works is dead. Thank you so much. I can see some people are following me. Faith without works is dead. So we were really just uh, talking about the necessity of our faith making a difference in the world. That we are called to do that in our various localities. Some of you, it's right here in Sheffield. Some of you, it's a place of work where you work. Your faith is meant to be, to impact somebody, to be a blessing. In fact, we call this the good news. Your faith, believe it or not, your faith is good news to somebody. Uh, whether it's in the neighborhood, whether it's in your place of work, uh, in your families, across the UK, and indeed across the nation, even to us in Africa. So, we were challenging each other that the book of Acts, we see a church that was both spiritual and very practical. And so it was a church that saw the coming of the Spirit, Acts chapter 2, filled in the Holy Ghost. And there was demonstration of the power of God. People being healed. 
and so forth. As you progress in Acts chapter 4, you see it is a church that met in homes, but also dealt with the practical needs of one another. In fact, there's one verse that provoked us in Africa as we gathered uh, a few Zambian pastors uh, to this. That verse that says, and they shared everything together and there was no one amongst them who had need. I thought, now in the UK you could say big amen to that. In Africa, that's an impossible verse. Because you say, how on earth are we going to have people around us without need when the whole continent is needy? You know about Africa. I'm coming from Zambia. 64% of our continent, of our country are below the uh, poverty line, meaning they earn less than $2 a day. So you've got big challenges, but even there, our message now is that the gospel is good news to the poor. The gospel is still good news to the poor. So that the gospel is spiritual, but it's got to reach out to the practical physical needs of our communities. In fact, I was reminding people that in Zambia, even right now, the Catholic Church is still the largest church after 100 years of Christianity in Zambia. The Catholic Church is still the largest in Zambia and in Zimbabwe and in Kenya and in South Africa. In fact, it's the largest church still on the continent of Africa, partly and mainly because they built schools and they brought hospitals and they built orphanages and took care of the, of the, of the orphans. And they took care of the aged. The Catholic Church is the only church that's got the kind of a, a, a home for the elderly who don't have any support. And you know what? To us, that's good. To the community, that's what love looks like. Love is spelled to them good works. And um, I realize I'm talking to a UK audience here and you've got social services, and most of what I've just talked about is taken care of, so Dan doesn't have to worry about all that because you can just go to somewhere nearby and social services will take care of you. But I just realized that actually, as time went on, what social services mainly are doing was actually done by the church. Okay, no amen there, so I'll go quickly over that point. But really, uh, it's a privilege of the church to demonstrate the love of Jesus. So that's what we we're looking at yesterday, that faith must be demonstrated practically. And in fact, that advances the kingdom. It grows the churches. It shows the people when you say God loves you. James says, how, how, what good is that if somebody is thirsty or hungry and naked and you tell him, God bless you. We're very good at that in Africa. You got this Pentecostal charismatic thing that we're doing now where we just bless one another. As I stand here, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Receive it. So when I say receive it, you receive. That's what we're doing in Africa. I mean, it's, it, I, we just believe you. people are blessed, but just receive it. So people come to the front and then I bless them. Receive it. If you're hungry, receive food. 
And somebody says, Amen, I receive, I receive. They go out, they're still hungry. I don't know why we're doing it, but sometimes we can over-spiritualize things that are supposed to be practical. Now, in the time that I have left, I just want to continue a little bit. So I've just summarized a little bit of what we did yesterday. What we want us to do today is to look at the model of Jesus in this sort of two-winged uh, opportunity by the church to be full of faith and a biblical faith, rooted in biblical faith, full of the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, biblically practical in meeting the needs of our communities. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, if we can look at that in a moment, and uh, because of time, I'll read it. If it appears somewhere on the screen, that would be great, but I'll just press on. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Peter is, is preaching, and then he summarizes the life of Jesus, and he says this. Let's start from verse 37. It says, thank you, I think it's there in verse 37. If you start from verse 37, that'd be great. I'm reading from the ESV. It says, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. Then verse 38, he says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. I love that. In Africa, we don't say power. We say power. Uh, he anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about, help me there. He went about doing good. This is Jesus. Anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then the demonstration of that power was that he went about doing good. That's a good place to look at your neighbor, person next to you, and tell them, go around doing good, my brother or my sister. I told you it's responsive preaching, so it's okay. It's okay to talk to your neighbor. Maybe they're already dozing in this heat, but uh, yeah. So we are to, go, to be about doing good. Christians are to be about, if we're following Jesus, we are to be about doing good. And uh, the city church, we are to be all over the city, all over the nation, doing good. That's what Jesus did. And then it continues and says, and healing all who were... Now, what did it say on that one? Oh, it's disappeared. Uh, in, my, in my Bible, it says, all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. So this morning, uh, I just want to uh, pick that phrase and try to unpack it. Yesterday, we unpacked doing good, okay? Today, we want to unpack, not only was did he go about doing good, as a result of the power of the Holy Spirit, but he was also healing all those who were oppressed. Somebody help me and say oppressed. Oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Now, so I just want to title in the next few moments, my time is going fast. Um, 
um, some thoughts around how we advance the kingdom by discerning and dealing with spiritual oppression. Now, if Jesus did it, I think it's good for us to do it. So I'm going to just quickly look at what is oppression, what is spiritual oppression. And then we're going to look at, you know, um, uh, discerning where the spiritual oppression is. Now, that's a good thought order. Um, it's great to have Jeannie here because her lovely book uh, on her own personal journey in dealing with some of this is very, very helpful. And I'm sure many of you have read her book. I can highly recommend it. Um, and then the thirdly, if we have time, we'll look briefly at how we deal with it. So Jesus dealt with spiritual oppression. Um, we noticed that, um, but the foundation and the context of that is what it says at the beginning. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. So to do the two things we're talking about, the foundation is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. And Richard, this morning, if I remember, the Lord was again reminding us that he's pouring out his spirit on, his, on the church. You know, um, it's so important to understand that all that we're talking about, we can never do it without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a source of power and life uh, in life. You know, um, City Church here, uh, as you do all the hard work, as you ground people as you do the good work it's all in the power of the Holy Spirit we cannot divorce the Holy Spirit from good works or from dealing with the oppressed we need the power of the Holy Spirit and also I like the phrase he went about Jesus was busy advancing the kingdom of God and each one of us we are up and about. Some of us are going out on holiday, I guess, uh, this summer. And um, uh, whatever you're doing, uh, the Lord would want to uh, use you and me as we are up and about, advancing the kingdom of God, being on adventure with God. And God doesn't remain behind when we are on holiday. Eh? Like I'm in the UK. I'm, I think God is still with me here. Uh, 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 am I talking to somebody? I think even as you go to Spain, God is going to go there with the Holy Spirit will not remain at home. He's coming. Okay, I'm sure that's very obvious, but he, he is there with you. So wherever we are, we are about the kingdom of God. Amen. I was sharing with them a, a, a lovely story about this lady uh, after being in a little cell group in a, uh, where I was leading in Manchester. Uh, when I did my PhD in Manchester, I was going to this little church and a few years later they invited me. So uh, we were in this cell group and we we're talking about the feeding of the 5,000. And when Jesus said, what do you have? So we all looked at our hands and I said, everybody look at your hands and what do you have? That little boy just had five loaves of bread and some fish for his lunch. And that's what the disciples grabbed and gave to Jesus. And this is all there is. Sorry. You've got 5,000 people. There you are. And Jesus multiplied it. And the idea was, and yesterday we did this, 
So those of you who are not there yesterday, don't worry, we won't do it this morning. But imagine, we looked at our hands and said, what do I have? So this lady looked at her hands and she said, nothing. I can't preach, I can't teach, I can't, I'm not one of these spiritual boffins that can do all these amazing things. Uh, nothing really. I, I, I just like crafts. And what's that for church? Crafts. So she's out in Spain on holiday. And they decide to go through the market. And what does she see? Lovely beads. Beads. Beads you cook. Where you can make necklaces and bracelets. And the Lord spoke to her. She said, what you have in your hands is skill to turn those beads into necklaces. Sell them. Raise money to feed an orphan. She's in Spain, not in a church, in a market, because she's full of the spirit like you are. And the rest is history. The start of Lily's ministry for four years, or slightly more, feeding 150 hungry kids in our neighborhood, those necklaces where it was raising the money. So it's it's okay to give the Lord a clap offering for something like that. So look at your hand and say, what do I have in my hands? Look at those hands. Just for a moment. There's so much that God's given you. Jesus went about doing good. So Father, we thank you for the, what each one of us have. Those five fishes and two loaves that can change the world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let's continue. So he went about, the backdrop of this is the, is the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit to lead us to advance the kingdom in whatever situation we are, whether home ground here in Sheffield, across Great Britain, or wherever God calls you. The second thing that he did, he did good. Now, I've talked about that. So the Holy Spirit unpacks a life that impacts people around you with good works. The third thing we notice there is that he was anointed to heal the oppressed. So let's focus on that for a moment. Anointed to heal the oppressed. And then it says those who are oppressed by the devil. So I think, therefore, there's no argument to say the devil oppresses people. Yeah? Because it says they were oppressed by the devil. No, now, not everybody is oppressed. Not everything is a demon. In fact, I won't mention the word demon at all in this message. Oh, I just did. Uh, okay, that's the last time I mentioned it. Uh, because when you say demons and all these things, they are very foreign. And of course, all of us in the UK, we know those, all the demons have left UK and they are with us in Africa. So there's no point talking about it. You know I'm joking. But the, there's a sense in which um, uh, I think when you talk about things like this, they're quite foreign in certain scenarios. And so, uh, like you say, if I go to Tesco, I could um, mislabel, if I mislabeled something as something else, uh, mislabel yogurt as 
something that looks like yogurt, uh, a cream. Uh, I'm, I'm sure most of the people would buy yogurt as cream because that's what it says on the label. So labels are very important. And what the enemy is doing is actually changing labels. Um, I don't know, is that helpful? And what, what happens is, therefore, you need to know what's inside. And many of us would know when you eat the yogurt, you think, oh, this is not cream, definitely. It says, it says cream, but it's not. Because you know what it is. And that's what you are as a Christian. Whatever mislabeling is going on, something in you will tell you, this is not it. This is uh, the enemy camouflaged as something else. He's just changed the label. And uh, because the Bible tells us Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. He says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So beloved, you know this, but I have to say the obvious. We are in a battle. There is a spiritual battle going on, and it's not about uh, your weird neighbor or some funny guys trying to propagate something. It's not against people. It's against principalities and powers. And that's what's controlling people to do some of the most weird things you can imagine. You know, we sit there in Africa, some of the things, we have seen some inventions, and it's beyond us. How do people do this? No, because there's a devil there who is mislabeling stuff and really leading people in places that you think, how could somebody even dream of doing this? That's because there is a power, there is an evil force. And remember John 10, 10? John 10 verse 10, the little verse? The devil comes for one purpose alone. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He may look a nice devil, and many times he does. He looks like he's here to help. Uh, not here in the UK, but in Africa, we've got people who've got these spirits, and uh, they, they think, they've been convinced that they are nice for them. They are helpful spirits. No, there's no such a thing as a helpful spirit unless it's the Holy Spirit. There's no way a, the devil would turn up and just be nice. The devil is a bad devil, that's for. He may look nice, but his ultimate intention is very clear. So that's why Jesus says oppressed. People are oppressed. See, the church, we are surrounded by communities where a lot of people are oppressed by the devil. And they don't know it. You can call it all kinds of labels. But I thank God for medical science. <coughs> Excuse me. And I'm in good Sheffield where it's a center of medical advances. And thank you Sheffield for all you're doing to bring some of the best medical practices, practices here in the in UK and across the world. And we thank God that we are able to use medical advances and we as Christ into, we embrace all the positive things that medical sciences bring. But let me say this. When there's spiritual oppression, you know there is spiritual oppression. It, it goes beyond 
just explaining medical symptoms. It defines medical science because it's beyond that. Okay, so that's the kind of thing. Even in church, it defies pastoral counseling. I'm for counseling, and that's why we have excellent pastors in this church. But where there's spiritual oppression, and if we don't deal with it, I can give you as much counseling as possible, and I'm just going around in circles because there's something there that just needs to be dealt with. And if we don't deal with the spiritual oppression that's at the center of that, then we will just exhaust the past. <laughs> It'll get very tired because this thing is just going around. I don't know. Is this making sense to somebody? So spiritual oppression, we have to do what Jesus did. Jesus says he healed all who were oppressed. Look, for those of you interested in Greek, uh, Dan, the biblical uh, uh, superstars around us, uh, the Greek word for oppressed uh, is kataponeo, which means to overpower or to oppress or to, um, you know, that's where you get the generic um, meaning, like to press down. It, it just presses you in. You feel as if something is just crushing you inside. You feel restricted. You feel sometimes like maybe it steals your peace. You feel a weight over you that you don't know where is it coming from. Sometimes it's mental oppression. It could be oppression in your energy. You just, you're just worn out. Um, it wears you down. And uh, I thank God in Luke chapter 4, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and to heal all who are oppressed. So the good news is this. It's not all bad news. The good news is uh, where there's oppression, the church has an answer. Amen. Amen. So he came to heal the oppressed. That's good news. You know. Now, the problem we have is that sometimes we don't recognize it. We made some mistakes in the past, certain churches where we called everything a demon. Everything. Everything. It was just... So what happens was that then there was, we just freaked out everybody because everything was some kind of a spiritual something. And uh, that was extreme. And that did a lot of damage to the spiritual warfare ministry in the UK and across the world. But on the other side, we have the others now who just believe that it doesn't exist. So we may have gone the other extreme. But actually the truth is in between. There are some situations where with spiritual discernment, you know that there is something here that is just not right. It needs to be broken. And Jesus came to deal with this. Yeah. Sometimes it runs in family lines. Okay, not in the UK. Let me do, use Africa. In Africa, it may, there are certain things that runs in family lines. You know, where the grandmother had something and then it... And exactly the same thing happens to the daughter. And exactly the same thing, you're beginning to see it in your kids. And uh, you just said, oh, oh, this is, yeah, we're like this in our family. Even my grandmother had us. 
And um, you kind of feel a bit hopeless, like you're locked in the cycle. After all, this is part of family. I know science will call that maybe it's a genetic disorder. And if it is, we thank God. But you know what the enemy does sometimes is that you plant what we call them a foundational evil gate in your family. So it's an altar. I don't have time to unpack all this. It's an altar that just keeps speaking from one generation to the next. So it keeps just happening and it's recurring. Um, and that's how you notice it. It's recurrence. It's a negative force. It doesn't draw you to God. It takes you away from God. In fact, in some cases, it questions God. You know, there's something here that just is a stronghold that needs to be broken. Are we still good? Okay. So, another point on that. Therefore, we need to acknowledge this. Let me just maybe conclude that by saying in Acts chapter 16, uh, Paul has um, uh, a, a situation that I just want to refer to very quickly to illustrate the point because I've run out of time. Uh, Acts 16 verse 16, it says, as they were getting into the place of prayer, uh, that is Paul and Silas, they were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. Somebody says spirit of divination. Does that sound familiar? Okay, you don't have that in the UK. This is very common in Africa. The spirit of divination, this is the spirit that can tell you stuff. You know? And some people wake up with it in the night and you see, and he's telling you about your grandparents and he's telling you about that. It's not here, in Africa. So this is what happens. And the spirit of divination, but in this case, so this is certainly not the Holy Spirit. This is certainly from somewhere else. So follow me. And it says, not only she had the spirit of divination and brought her owners some gain by fortune telling. Fortune telling? Yeah. Um, of course, we don't have that in the UK. In, in, in Zambia, we have a bit of fortune telling. And so they seem to have been a setup. This whole thing is arranged. So this girl, whether she knew it or not, she's part of some spiritual arrangement that, uh, and she's got a real spirit of divination and she can really tell you what's going on in your life. Now follow verse 17. So here comes Paul and Silas, full of the Holy Spirit. So they are on the scene, verse 17. Then she followed Paul. I'm very interested in this, Mark. Good to see you. I'm interested in this. A spirit of divination following Paul. Is she a Christian? And pause, pause, pause. There are loads of people that very good, well-meaning, have been have packed our churches, but the stuff they've carried, that's not been dealt with. But the church is there as hope of the world. And I came just to encourage City Church. We have an opportunity when people like that come in our midst, gently, lovingly, not only lead them to the Lord, but also help deal with whatever they are carrying. I hope that came out right. Eh? 
And uh, because that's what the church is. Now, we're saying people are running away from church. They're going to all kinds of divination and all that and all that. Because partly sometimes when they come to church, we don't seem to have an answer. And so they feel like, oh, I'll just go the other side. Maybe I'll go to that lady who's, you know, maybe she'll do something. She seemed to understand what I'm going through. So I'm encouraging you. You are spirit-filled. City Church, we have the Holy Spirit here. And the Spirit has come to set the captives free. Amen. So what did Paul do? Now, she wasn't saying bad things. What was she saying in verse 17? Verse 17 says, and she was crying out. She was saying, these men are servants of God. Saying all the right things. They are servants of the Most High God. They pro who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Certainly, that's a good divination spirit, don't you think so? He says, this is a good one. He's saying all the right things. He's promoting Paul for free. Like, listen to them. These are good guys. Now, look at Paul. The, verse 18 says, and this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having, in my Bible it says, having become greatly annoyed. I mean, I think, in Zambia I would say, I think, Paul, you have a problem. This lady's promoting you, right? She's saying all the right things. And she's following your ministry. What's that to be annoyed about? Paul was greatly annoyed. There's something Paul understood that we all need to understand. He turned and said to the spirit. Did you know that? He didn't say to the lady. Very important. He didn't talk to the lady. And God is saying, look, let's not look at people. It's look at what's behind what people are doing. It's that son who's gone wayward. It's not him. Maybe there is something that's driving him. And that's what we need to address. And so I'm speaking to grandparents who are born again, full of the Holy Spirit. Do you know you have a ministry, a big ministry? To the grandchildren. You may not understand all these games they do and all the computers and everything. But you understand one thing. That there is a devil there who is after kids. And you got to stand at the gate. I call it the family gate like we went through that door. There were ushers who were looking at all of us. Who comes in and who goes out. Elders, they sit at the gate. Yeah, They, they monitor who comes in and who goes out. Mommy. Daddy, you sit at the gate of the family. You watch what comes in and what goes out. Am I talking to somebody here? And you go the authority in the name of Jesus to be able to say certain things. No, you're not coming in this family. Sorry. You got to stay out. You're not taking my journey. So Paul understood something. That there's something bigger happening here. I'm sorry, does this sound very foreign, eh, Richard? No, this is city church. We know these things. It's in the Bible. Therefore, he says, I command you, speaking to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And what happened? And it came out that same hour. Of course, what followed is commotion because the owners, the whole business setup got disrupted. The guys who were making money out of her, the whole thing just, oh. So there was a riot in the city because this guy has just messed us up, up our business. And, you know, a good work done to 
see this girl released from oppression becomes a problem. And sometimes, as a church, we just need to know that when we deal with certain things, the devil's not happy. It may even look like we're bringing trouble. But thank God, people are delivered. Hallelujah. Okay, that's very long. Let me wind this up now. So then, how do you know it's there? Now, I'm saying this to you because it may not be you. Or maybe as I'm speaking, you may be, something is telling you, yeah, you got something. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's, that's that thing needs to go. Uh, you know, you're in the right place. And, and, and Jesus came to set you free. Um, but also, it may be other people. But also those who are active in the community, you see a lot of this that people, people just need to be helped. So how do you know? Number one, um, um, it says it's from the devil. So you know it's anti-God. Number two, it's oppressing somebody. So it's making people, I think there was something about fear this morning. Yeah, that God has not given us the spirit of fear but the spirit of love and boldness. So, you know, excessive fear, where you are just oppressed by a fear you don't understand, why is this there? It could be a sign that there is some oppression that is bringing fear unnecessarily in your life. And that's not from God. And then also recurrent patterns that, you know, defies understanding. Even diseases that just, uh, you know, doctors have done all that they, they could do. And it's just like, it just keeps moving. It's just, oh, today it's there. Oh, now it's, now it's like this. Now it's like, you know, um, I was speaking to actually a medical doctor from this. Uh, um, uh, and she was telling me about what they call moose. Eh? Or muse. I don't know how you say it. M-U-Z, M-U-S, which is medically undefined symptoms. It's like even the medical doctors, they don't know what it is. They just say, you know, it's uh, they will get a Panadol. We'll see how it goes. So we're not saying anything, everything of that is, a, is an oppression, but we're saying it could be. So how do we know? That's why we have the Holy Spirit. There is something called the Spirit of, help me, the Spirit of, and the gift of, discernment. We need it more now than ever before. It's a gift that the Spirit gives you. Eyes to see what is from God and what's not from God. Maybe we need to ask more uh, of that Spirit. So, what have I been talking about this morning? The world needs healing from oppressions from the enemy. It's part of kingdom advance. So once you recognize it's there, what do we do? Well, to be honest, Jesus has done it already. When he went to the cross, he defeated the power of darkness. So we're not fighting now. We are just enforcing the victory that is ours. Hallelujah. Jesus has already won. Colossians chapter 2 verse 16, he says, Through the cross, he overcame the power of darkness. And he put to shame every handwriting that was against us. So Jesus has already defeated the devil on the cross. But there's just one little bit that's left. 
He says to us, you and me, his disciples, he says, go into the world and these followers, signs will follow you. You shall preach the gospel. You shall make disciples. And then you shall do what? Uh, go tell me. This is the UK. You shall cast out. Let's find a better word for demons because in the UK there are no demons. We cast out what? Yes, I'm just joking. We cast out demons. In other words, you have the power to deal with what is bothering people around. If you can only see what that Jesus done, dealt with it, and number two, that we can stand. Let me finish with the story. As a few years ago, I think it's 2016, some of you may have been there, I devoted, and as we were, I don't know, the spirit just broke out. I, I didn't plan it. I was preaching on the pulpit at the devoted conference, and the spirit broke out. And there was a lot of what we call in Africa manifestations, like things were just so obvious to people. This is needs to be dealt with. So we were praying for this lady, and there were three ushers who came uh, to pray. So, so I, we were praying, and, and I said to the stewards, yeah, let's pray. And these very well-meaning ladies, they started praying to God. I said, yeah, we prayed to God now. Now, let's tell it to go. And this good lady looked at me and said, what? I said, yeah, so tell it to go. So what? Tell it to go? Me? She said, yeah, you have the authority. Jesus says you shall cast out. He said, no, no, you, Joseph, do it, not me. I don't have the authority. I said, no, you have the authority. Because don't be like Africa. In Africa, we've got super apostles who come and do everything for everybody. No. And, but some of these things are happening in our homes. Believers need to understand that we have the authority in the name of Jesus to deal with oppressions in our home. So if it turns up in your daughter and in your son, so what are you going to do? Yeah, we can call Dan and we can call Chris and Richard and others. And, uh, and they, will, they will help. But beloved, did you know the best way to deal with things is at the beginning. We deal with it at home base. So I came to tell you, you have authority. Thank you for those amen. Let me try this out. You have authority in the name of Jesus to deal with stuff that are oppressing people. So this morning, we are called to advance the kingdom, both in doing good works, bless the community, but at the same time, not to forget that there's a spiritual battle that's going on. So we have to also engage the stuff that is oppressing people. So I end with that phrase from James. Faith without works is... So let's flip it around. Therefore, works without faith is... Now you're going to say, no, that's not in the Bible. It's only the other way around. But it's implied. So we need both. 